Welcome to the Peaceful Life Podcast. This is your host, Laura, coming to you from a cottage in the woods in the peaceful mountains of California. Today's episode is about music, and music is defined as sound in time. Pitch, volume, tempo, rhythm, chords. A chord is defined as just a combination of pitches. A pitch or a note is a certain vibration that is interpreted by your ears. Music has a definite effect on our emotions. I'm sure some point in your life you've turned to music or a song to make you feel better or to help you through a breakup or just to rock out in the car while you're driving. Those who create movies, TV shows, radio shows, and even podcasts know that music helps in the soundtrack to cue the audience on how they're supposed to feel. It can make us feel calm, happy, agitated, or even angry. The military knows this, too. They use music to agitate the enemy. Doctors' offices use it to soothe people in the waiting room. That's because we perceive music and pitch as a combination of harmonics, and some harmonics sound pleasant to us, while some not so. Songs in a major key tend to make us satisfied and happy, while songs in a minor key feel sad or dark or angry. People who write soundtracks know all this. They know how to change how we perceive a scene based on the music. And sometimes we don't even know it. We're so used to it, we're not even aware of how the music affects our experience of the story. And let's not forget percussion. We absorb percussion and beats into our body organically because our body has its own life beat the heartbeat. I'm sure you remember watching a parade and feeling when the marching band was getting close because of the vibrations of the big timpani drums. The timpani vibrate all through you and it felt so great. We also as humans tend to respond stronger to musical instruments that produce harmonics close to the human voice, like violins and saxophones. Having a sax solo in the middle of a song was really popular back in the 70s and 80s. Go to YouTube and look up Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty or Careless Whisper by Wham or anything Kenny G. And Interestingly enough, studies have revealed lately that music and or sound can physically heal our bodies. One study revealed that playing Mozart for patients in the intensive care unit reduced the need for pain medications. Music can aid Alzheimer's patients and have them be more lucid because it triggers both emotional memories and procedural memory. Anthony Holland, Ph.D., a renowned composer-turned-cancer researcher, did a study on harmonics in cancer cells, and he found that certain sound frequencies can destroy cancer cells and leave other cells intact. 
Holland figured out that cancer cells are vulnerable to frequencies between 100,000 hertz and 300,000 hertz. There are stone rooms in an ancient temple in Malta called oracle chambers that were found to register frequencies of about 110 to 111 hertz. These chambers were used for healing. And there are now devices you can buy that claim to reduce pain and inflammation with sound. So how is music being used today to heal? I had two very interesting conversations with people who were doing just that, Bill Protzman and Lauren Mullinax. In this episode, part one, I'll present my conversation with Bill, and in the next episode, you'll hear me talk with Lauren. Both Bill and Lauren have devoted their lives to healing with music. For over 40 years, Bill Protzman has become fascinated with how music seems to create emotion. Bill now performs and presents his music to people for recovery. Recovery from physical, emotional, or mental disability. His audiences have included troops who have experienced war-related mental, emotional, and physical trauma, as well as many others suffering from PTSD survivors of abuse and cancer, parents of difficult children, children of all ages, the terminally ill and aged, and their caregivers. Bill holds magna cum laude degrees in piano performance and creative writing, and in 2011, he launched Music Care, Inc., a corporation dedicated to teaching practical ways music can be used for self-care. First of all, let's jump right into it, and I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite piece of music and why? Oh my gosh. Did I have to choose just one? Exactly. You know, when you ask a musician this, it's it's really tough, right? It's like asking who your favorite baby is. Exactly. Huh? Right. And, and, you know, fortunately, you're not going to offend anybody if you choose a piece of music that isn't theirs. But I, I guess in response to that question, I'd have to ask another question because I would say that my favorite piece of music differs depending upon what I'm using it for. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know how you go to see a movie, you say you, you and your significant other are going to go out to the movies and you go, OK, well, what are we going to watch? Well, do you want to see like action adventure? Do you see a romantic comedy? And then based upon that, you kind of can choose within the narrower category. Yeah, you're like, I'm not in the mood for, you know, something heavy right now. Yeah, right. So like this morning, everything is just so all over the map that I might pick a piece of music that's just wild and crazy. And, you know, maybe death metal would be the best thing to use, you know. But on another day for another purpose or even in an hour from now, that could totally change. Right. Because I work with this so much, I'm used to making just flip flopping from this kind of music to that kind of music at the drop of a hat. It's it's really simple. So you know what type of music you need when, you know, you're getting a little melancholy as opposed to stressed. Yes. Yes, exactly. So um Let's say if I were to go to the piano and sit down and play something right now, what would that piece of music be? That'd be a better way of finding out what it is that I'm really feeling. Uh, I might go and play like Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which is an amazing piece of music. Musically, it's awesome. But it's very calming to play that because it's so simple. Mm -hmm. And um, to sort of come down from a 
busy, crazy place. And using that piece of music helps me get there. Uh, being tuned in to how you are when you choose that music uh, is, the, is what I'm all about. So <laughs> I, I don't pretend to be an expert on that because everybody is different. But I can certainly appreciate the difference between the favorite piece of music you might have this morning and my own, which by, mm. what would be your favorite piece of music at this moment? You know, I was thinking about that as I was uh, researching this. And as far as pop music goes, I've always been drawn to the pieces of John Denver. So I think Annie's song is one of the most beautiful pieces yeah. of music as far as a love song goes. And, you know, kind of breaking that apart, it's in 3-4 time which is very mellifluous to, you know, the human spirit. Sure. And it's a major key. And also the sunshine on my shoulder is always makes me feel happy. And it even has that in the lyrics. You yeah. know, it makes me happy. Yeah. You know, but there's also so many classical pieces that calm me down too, uh, like Reverie by Debussy and a lot of the Baroque you know, happy Takata fugue type <laughs> pieces. So like you said, it all depends, but we're both musicians, so we can break it down kind of on that kind of level. And I think the average human just knows, oh, you know, I like hair metal or I like pop music. I want Taylor Swift today. And, and you've built your career around this, how music affects the psyche and the soul and and emotions. And um, I read that it all started with your mom because she was a piano teacher. Is that correct? Yeah, I was kind of like maybe the experiment. Mom had uh, degrees, a uh, credential for primary education. And primary education is where she sort of wound up. But her real love was, um, in addition to kids, was playing the piano. And at one point, she said to my sister and I, we're both um, her students, you know, from back in the day, that she felt it was more important to spend quality time at the piano for just a few minutes versus spending drudgery time there for hours. Mm. So the observation of the parents and the peers, if you will, the little kids there, seeing one another and listening to each other, one another do what they do, was a big part of the way that mom taught. So that observation has been very key for me, both watching what mom d did with her students and also for myself at the piano on stage, watching what's happening in the audience and paying attention to how people are responding is a really big part of performance. And so very early on, that got me interested in the effect that music was having on people. And so that lit me up to understand why that's all happening. And, you know, fortunately, in our lifetimes, we've had all this incredible neurological research come down the street. A lot of it using music as the trigger to look into people's brains using a functional MRI or to measure their hormone levels based upon what they hear. This is fascinating stuff. And um, I'm sure that, like me, uh, you as a musician have awareness of this. But your average bear is just sort of going along with the flow and loving the concert and, you know, mm -hmm. connecting to the lyrics or whatever it is. They don't really understand the deep really deep effect that sound and rhythm have on us. You know, storytellers use music to tell the audience how they should feel or enhance the feelings at any given moment. Like, why do minor keys make us sad? And why do dissonant chords 
agitate us and major keys make us feel happy and and are the background for you know love stories and montages like what is it in the is it the harmonics in those particular chords that make us feel different ways it's cultural in many ways so if you were to go to eastern europe a lot of the happy music there is in a minor key and culturally as westerners we don't relate to minor keys that way but if you think of a song that we all know, Hava Nagila, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're listening right. right now and you can get to Spotify or a streamer, go put it on. There's a song in a minor key that's really happy. It's a celebratory song. Yeah. It's celebratory. Yeah. So you get a little bit of insight there into the cultural differences. So in the West, if you're dealing with Westerners, I've seen people get happy to all kinds of music, generally speaking, if the tempo is quick and the key is pleasing, the the tonality is pleasing, major versus minor, I guess. You can generally get happy out of that. But I've seen people get real happy at a drum circle where tonality is not so much in play. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more rhythm. So there's a rhythmic component to happiness that goes beyond speed. There's some amazing uh, rhythms that are in that are not in four, four or three, four, the common meters that we like to relate to. Amazing meters that are complex, polyrhythmic, uh, that create these incredible emotions of joy that come from Polynesian cultures um, that we're sort of unfamiliar with. I guess the Western equivalent might be something like Dave Brubeck's Take Five, which is a cool piece of, you know, five, four. But um, I'm fascinated by some of the alt-rock stuff that's out there that uses polymeters so well. Now, you specifically in your work concentrate on music and healing, and that's what this episode is all about, Um, physically, emotionally, and psychologically. How did you first get into that vocation? Well, when you're paying attention to how music is working on your audience, oftentimes you'll get feedback. You can see it happening in the room, but sometimes somebody will come up to you, and they're trying to say something about what they heard. And you know that what they heard was profound because you can see the tears coming in their eyes and they're trying to find the right words to express it. So that's something that goes deep. I think it goes deeper than what science has yet been able to explain for us. I think it might even go to a spiritual level. And I say that with great compassion because spirituality means so many different things to so many different people. In a, in a big picture, if you can sweep everything into spirituality that still fits there, it's like everything that science hasn't explained is probably in the realm of spirituality. <laughs> and in that place, uh, there's work to be done. Uh, consciousness is still in that place. The ability for human beings to connect in a way that is very meaningful, even if that doesn't involve words, it still involves communication. Uh, People talk about blending auras, that sort of thing. Let's put that all in the realm of the spiritual. But the fascinating thing about this healing part of music is that music facilitates the one-on-one communication or um, connection that can happen between people um, in a very useful way. With, without without language. language, even, you know, it's a universal language, as they say. It's Yeah, it is. Um, if you've ever been to a concert and the performer comes on stage and you can feel a presence in the room that wasn't there a moment before, mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that kind of, I don't want to say power or force, but that kind of presence. In, in that presence, things can happen. Um, 
I've watched people who play the guitar um, lower their symptoms of post-traumatic stress just by picking up the instrument and starting to play. Now, if you're in that place with them, when that happens, they can tell you how they feel. And there's nothing that I like physically do. I don't magic it or heal it or therapy it. I just offer the music. And in that place of that music, this, this change can take place. Uh, I have a client, for example, I want to call him a client, but he's actually just someone who attends my music class who is homeless and has huge issues with schizophrenia. The only thing that brings him down to a, a sort of vibrational level with the rest of us is listening to metal or overlaying a whole bunch of binaural beats. He can do that with YouTube, maybe five or six of them overlaid all together. That brings his brain down to a vibrational level that's like more normal, I want to say, where the rest of us live. Right. And that place he can function really well. I could probably explain or get a scientist to explain how that happens, but that's certainly healing. Um, one more aspect of this, which is very interesting to me, is uh, medical doctors who have used music, for example, in uh, post-operation recovery in the ICU. Uh, they put on music, and the patients who are pretty much asleep um, have interesting chemical responses that that we can actually measure. Um, you can see their healing hormones go up. You can see their stress hormones go down just by having the music playing there as they're recovering semi-consciously. So the measurable effects of what happens when music is present, in addition to the connection that it makes between human beings, um, are just remarkable. So as science approaches this and starts to give us numbers and metrics for what the results of listening to music look like, you know, in, in, in actual hard facts and numbers, we can say, well, of course, yeah, that makes sense. Hopefully science will get to the place where they can track how this works, not only on a physical level or the level of emotions, hormones, uh, neurotransmitters. Hopefully they can get to a place where we begin to measure this, how this works uh, on a spiritual level, on our, on our terms of our consciousness. How does our consciousness interact with music? Absolutely. I mean, sacred music has been around for oh, thousands yeah. of years, since the beginning of time, obviously. Yeah. And me, as an atheist, I had to sing in church choirs during college just as part of the curriculum. But it actually, just singing with other people and blending the harmonics, it is moving. It's spiritually moving. And I can't say that I was transformed religiously, but spiritually, yes. Yes, There yes. is a feeling of kind of being part of the entire universe when you're blending your voice or your music with other people. Yes. I got to sing cadences with a, um, I, I was the fifth one in a barbershop quartet, but they gave me a note to sing. And when you're singing in that close harmony, um, the overtones mm -hmm. that happen from the human voice, uh, you can get them on string instruments or brass instruments. They're always there. But put four voices together and sing two chords and you can get those overtones and it makes your skin crawl. It just did such a beautiful thing. It is. It's a great feeling. Even when I was in voice lessons, I did um, a duet, a classical duet. It was from Puccini. There was a point where we hit a certain note that was a male and I was singing the female part where it was just like, bam, you know, yep. I was like, wow, this is incredible. It just does transform you and put you into a different level. Um, now, you 
kind of mentioned this. Um, you have a program that you work with, Guitars for Vets. Yeah, I got to help Guitars for Vets launch their San Diego chapters. And amazing program. So Guitars for Vets is really, really easy. Volunteers teach veterans to play the guitar. There's actual, I think, a VA study on this that showed that it reduces symptoms of post-traumatic stress um, significantly. So it's it's a modality that is scientifically supported. I think the music therapists would call that recreational music making, and that's fine. It doesn't really need a scientific name. It works. Uh, it works, by the way, as well as a whole bunch of other modalities, some of them musical and some of them not. The studies, for example, on mixed martial arts had the same kind of benefit for post-traumatically stressed veterans as guitars for vets, uh, same kind of measurements for fly fishing. So uh, there's a musical opening that takes place with a guitar that is not a musical opening, but it could take place with mixed martial arts. There's an opening that happens there. Fly fishing opening happens there. Depending on the kind of person you are, you might gravitate more towards a guitar or beating somebody up or, <laughs> um, you know, standing in a river. But the idea is that music is the modality that opens up potential for change. And watching, I don't know how many hundreds of veterans uh, go through that process and start their transformation is one of the most beautiful experiences that anyone can have. Um, if you want to get involved, look up guitarsforvets.org online and volunteer and just be part of it. And I'm a piano player. I don't know how to play the guitar, but mm -hmm. I had so much fun with these guys and just watching things change was remarkable. It's, there's been nothing like that experience, I just got to say. That's amazing. And, you know, the other application for music and therapy um, recently has been in Alzheimer's patients oh, and sure, yeah. dementia. And they say there's there's two ways that it's helping because music has an emotional content, obviously can trigger emotional memories. But also they say that when we learn music, we store the knowledge as procedural memory. And procedural memory is associated with routines and repetitive activities. And episodic memory might be destroyed with dementia, but procedural memory is left intact. Yeah, so music there. can have like this dual effect. You know, back before music therapists started um, offering their skills in rest homes and retirement homes, I had the opportunity to play at a number of those uh, places. And there's a fantastic movie out there on YouTube. You can get the whole movie or see snippets of it. But the, the idea is playing music for people who have some memory loss um, can often return those people to a state of cognition that is not available to them without the music. And um, that's a remarkable experience. So playing for people who I know the staff basically never sees them, quote, come alive, but playing for them and watch people come alive to music, that is also an incredible experience. And of course, you know, Oliver Sacks, none other than Oliver Sacks, has written extensively about this kind of thing. And of course, we now have the movie available. Mm -hmm. So dementia, Alzheimer's, even Parkinson's, the things that music can do to spark up your mental, physical, emotional awareness and return you to a place of full presence in those in those capabilities. I mean, the science is amazing, but I just like to watch it happen and be a part of that. To be the, the vehicle for having that experience happen, it's, it's wonderful to watch that take place. Tell me about Music Care and what you're doing through your business, your organization. 
I, I sit in a place that's kind of interesting. Um, it's in between people who perform for a living, perform music for a living, and people who do music therapy for a living. That therapeutic relationship, one-on-one, um, board-certified music therapists are there to help guide their clients or patients through a therapeutic experience using music as a modality. So I'm in between those two things. My thing is to teach people how they can access the power of music uh, more intelligently on their own to provide self-care to themselves that they wouldn't normally be able to provide um, in other ways. Most of the people that I work with are, uh, on a volunteer basis, have some form of what we might call mental illness, uh, behavioral challenges of some kind or another um, are a component of homelessness. And of course, working with veterans and those who have been in combat or have some other form of military trauma, that can be done on a volunteer basis too. Opening the door for those people to be able to transform is what self-care using music is all about. But in the bigger picture, gosh, do we have depression, stress, and anxiety these days or (laughs) what? Definitely, yeah. (laughs) And where I see that is in the breakdown of communication. We're so rude on social media anymore as a society. Yeah. We'd never be that way in public. And then I go out in public and I find out that, oh my gosh, yes, we are. There's no reason for that. And it's it's certainly not a healthy thing for all of us. So being able to offer alternatives to that that are based in science and based in something we all love, most of us are not uh, amusical, we love music, being able to offer those as tools for people to use outside of entertainment and more in terms of practical day-to-day use has been a huge blessing for me. Um, I teach that, of course, and there's an online course you can use to uh, get to some understanding of that. But it's sort of a sacred way of opening yourself to the possibility that the world has, in a large way, uh, foreclosed anymore. There are people out there with hope, and I'm very, very happy to be able to connect and work with them. But there are so many people who've kind of given up and just can't deal with the crazy whether that's at work or socially or just in life, and finding ways to help re-enliven our ability to stay engaged in the world for good, that seems to be the focus of what Music Care is all about right now. My company is a for-profit publishing, educating, coaching, advising business that helps people individually or in groups uh, re-engage with the things that really matter in ways that are useful, practical, easy, and mostly free because music is streaming out there. Anywhere you want, you can get music now. It's awesome. And how can people find you online? That's really simple. Musiccare.net. And if you Google for anything that's related to Bill Protzman, if you can spell it, you'll find me that way. But just look for musiccare.net. There's so many ways to open us up to the potential. And why not bring them all together and give yourself care using music, you know? That's awesome. Bill, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Make sure you tune in to part two, the next episode, where I demonstrate how music can change your emotions and have a wonderful conversation with Lauren Mullinax, who has also dedicated her time to healing people with music. This is Laura, and you've been listening to the Peaceful Life Podcast. Remember, you are a spectacular human being, and you can heal yourself. May every sunrise bring you promise, and every sunset bring you peace. Go in peace, 
and have a lovely week.